At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Odds On. This is Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw on a Wednesday. It's Wednesday, so it's Frank Schwab Wednesday. Oh, beautiful. Oh, Good. God, we got some questions for Schwabby coming up in 30 minutes. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a hell of a lot more interesting than the PFF interview yesterday. I was going to use that because I couldn't fall asleep until about 4.30 last night. But then I realized I still wouldn't fall asleep if I listened to that. I was going to re- dead. I was going to reference uh, Dr. Eric Eager's take on uh, Lafleur and see if uh, Frank Schwab shared that. Questions about Aaron Rodgers, the special teams, and the future of the Packers, as well as the two conference championship games on Sunday. Coming up in 30 minutes... We don't have Ariel Epstein, the prop queen, on today with us, Amal, but we do have the prop rook, Amal Shaw, who loves to talk props in the NFL. I know this gets you fired up to start a show. and that- I, I am actually excited. You want to know why? Because this is only now one of the final two times we're going to be able to discuss this. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the two games from a, a betting perspective in terms of line movement. No movement on the Chiefs and Bengals the first game uh, on Sunday from Arrowhead at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 2 o'clock there in Kansas City. This number seems to have settled in at seven. I know on the Daily Best Bets sheet, we have several of our VEASAN hosts who took it at seven and a half. I never saw that number. Uh, I know it opened at six and a half in some spots. Do you expect it to move? I'm all. Do you expect it to move off of seven? Uh, I do not. I think it'll hold steady here. But listen, you know, we've got a lot of David Copperfields and uh, David Blaines around here. So don't worry about whether it got to seven or seven and a half at some point in time. I don't believe it'll get there. I think it's too many points. The one thing you have to be concerned with, if you're looking at it from a Kansas City perspective, Mike, is defensively, Josh Allen is an elite football player. There's no question about it. But I think Joe Burrow, if this offensive line and against this Kansas City team could potentially hold up very comfortably, could have a monster day. I think those are some of the props you'd be looking at with Cincinnati. Offensive totals over. Seven's a big number. I don't think this is the same scenario. The same Kansas City team was a few years ago when they faced off against the Houston Texans. And they were, what, more than a touchdown. I can't remember exactly what the number was in that one. All I can tell you is that I think this Cincinnati team, I don't believe they're going to win, but they are definitely capable of pulling off this road win in Arrowhead. I want to say that number was like eight or eight and a half. Eight and a half, that's what I thought. And remember, it was all Texans early. Uh, and then o- O'Brien had the decision whether he wanted to go for it on fourth down or kick the field goal, called a timeout, said he didn't have a fourth down play. The momentum swung. Kansas City ends up winning and covering uh, that game. I'll tell you right now, Amal, I haven't made a decision on this game. Uh, no no futures tied to the AFC. Uh, I, It's hard to bet the Chiefs game's under, but I tend to think that Zach Taylor's going to try to play this game like he played the second half in Cincinnati earlier in the month. 
limit the possessions. Remember, only six possessions in the second half of that game. Yeah, excellent point there. Mm-hmm. An unnecessary gamble there at the end of that yeah. game there. But it, I hear what you're saying. I just think at Arrowhead, with this offense, you're going to have to score points. Um, what's the total, 54? 54 and a half. And not thrilled if you're going to go over that number, uh, but it just feels like this Kansas City offense. Remember last week, after the first quarter, um, it didn't look like you were really going to stop them. I mean, there was a sequence or two. I, I can't even recall exactly how it played out, but I, it just felt like Mahomes was going to move the ball, And there, but there was a slightly better chance that Buffalo would get stopped, maybe because an Aaron Thrower would have you. Burrow's accuracy and the way he can move just to keep plays alive I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Cincinnati. Number in the NFC Championship game at SoFi, um, three and a half painted across the board yesterday. We do have a major book that has moved it back to three, as you suggested where the line should be. That would be DraftKings, now down to three on the Rams. I think most places will stay at three and a half, however. Where does this game close on Sunday, Amal? You know, I think this one gets to stays at three, or comes down from three and a half, uh, because as you alluded to, uh, three at DraftKings, but... To me, Mike, I, I feel like outside of the fact that it's going to be a third time uh, difficult to beat a team, especially a division opponent, twice on the road, this San Francisco team seems to have their number. They need, know how to attack this team. I think they've got a great opportunity to get back to a Super Bowl here, despite the fact that they have Jimmy Garoppolo under center. Total moved a point at circa 46.5 was the total yesterday. Down a point now, 45.5 on the NFC Championship game. Does that surprise you? Um, I'm kind of... In between, I thought the number was going to be 47 and a half or 48 uh, because we talked about it on Monday. But to me, I, I think you expect a little bit more of a defensive game. Both teams very capable defensively. I, I was impressed, though, with Matthew Stafford, what he's done so far in the postseason, these two games. You're not? No, I, I've told you. I think the Rams are the best team left. Oh, okay. The way you shook your head, I mean, it was... Uh, no, Stafford's playing great. Yeah. I mean, this is why they traded for him. Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, like you say, they don't have any draft picks till the 2030s. Uh, so you must be an optimist. I thought but, it was like 20, But they're trying to win. They're trying to win now while the defense is still in this window where they're still a top three. I said to you late in the year, they're definitely a top three defense, but I think you could argue they were the best defense in the NFL. Absolutely. And not only that, think about this. You got an opportunity to have back-to-back seasons where the home team would be in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I mean, you talk about a great scenario here for the Rams. And I'm not you, saying it's going to be a home you, field advantage. No, but you bring up a point. I mean, how many times has a, there been a true home game in Super Bowl history? And think about this. Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes might have to be the road team in two consecutive Super Bowls. Great point. Right? Great point. Having played at the uh, the Culver House Plantation against Tampa Bay. And now they have to go, <laughs> to, go to the house that Walmart built uh, and play against the Rams. I know. This would be Quest. <laughs> oh. Stan, Stan Kroenke's got his own money. Oh, he does. He does. But he did marry well. Uh, yes, all, right. Did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get to the props now on the game. And we'll start out with which quarterback will have the most passing yards this weekend. Mahomes and Burrow. Pick them at plus 175 here. Matt Stafford plus 250. Jimmy G plus 550. Are you surprised that Burrow is even in the betting market with Mahomes? Uh, No, I'm not at all because I think both these guys are very capable in this matchup. I know one thing based on these odds, these lines were not set by uh, Michael Lombardi. Uh, But to me, when I look at this one, I think you could go either way here, uh, Mike, simply because both guys are going to be able to move the ball effectively. It would, comes down to which one has the better running game on the day. Would Michael Lombardi have Jimmy G as one of the top choices? He would actually have him as a minus 120. <laughs> um, maybe baked into this number is the fact that they think Burrow will be playing from behind in this game. Yeah, but I, I look, I believe Kansas City is going to win this game. Revenge game for them, obviously, compared to one mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, but overall, I don't think when you look at this Kansas, excuse me, Cincinnati offense, this is a stretch. 
the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill is underappreciated when you look at Kansas City as a whole because that defense is not a Super Bowl caliber defense. What you see teams generally getting there. San Francisco is getting there on the merits of their defense. The Rams are potentially getting there on the merits of their defense. Cincinnati and um, Kansas City are both getting there because they've got absolute dudes at quarterback, incredible playmakers on the outside. Good running games. Cincinnati's got, in my opinion, a better running game. It looks like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire may not be the guy that they anticipated when they took him at the end of the first round. But I, I feel like Burrow, with his accuracy, with Chase's play after run after catch, Mike, I'm telling you, if Chiefs fans are like making plans to get to L.A., you better pump the brakes because you might be coming to watch the Bengals. I think that they've done a good job. The, the, the Bengals all playing complimentary football is referring to Michael Lombardi. Making sure their defense isn't on the field too long. They, they snap the ball as late in the play clock as anybody. Burrow, you, you watch the Rams. When they get rolling, Stafford will snap it with over 20 seconds to go on the clock, 17 seconds to go. Burrow never snaps the ball with 10 seconds uh, or more on the play clock. I agree completely. And, and there's two <laughs> factors that are big, big difference. Matthew Stafford, University of Georgia graduate. Joe Burrow, The Ohio State University. <laughs> All right. This of the props to me is terms of who will have the most of blank is the most interesting Who's going to have the most rushing yards on Sunday? And here's your market, uh, Amal. The favorite is Elijah Mitchell, 49ers at 2-1. to one. Joe Mixon and Cam Akers, both 3-1. to one. Debo Samuel, plus 550. Edwards Hilaire, 7-1. to one. Jarek McKinnon, 10-1. Sony Michelle, 16-1. to one. And now Pat Mahomes makes an appearance since he led the divisional <laughs> round at 20-1. to one. Very, very nice <laughs> yeah. to have that little uh, appearance there. Hey, Rob, if you keep this on the screen here for a minute, I'm going to tell you there's a couple of names I like. Uh, one is Debo Samuel at 550 because in the clutch and most important situations, it is obvious and evident Kyle Shanahan trusts him more than he trusts anybody else. So that's why I like Debo Samuel at plus 550. And then the other one I like, Mike, is Jarek McKinnon at 10-1. to one. I actually like him more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, he's not as powerful, can't run between the tackles, but he can get on the edges. He's got tremendous speed. I feel like he's a guy that if he gets a player or so, maybe bust one, he could get a 30, 40-yard run. And remember, in these games, I don't know, unless you've got the lead, it just doesn't feel like you're going to have a running back that's toting the rock enough to go like you know 25 carries for 110. It just doesn't feel like that type of game. I think there could games. be value in this market if you subscribe to this theory of take the two Rams backs out because of the splits of carries. And you might say they're going to feature Acres, but after two fumbles in Tampa Bay, don't you think Michelle will get more carries this weekend? I, I would have to think so. That's the one thing. You brought up an excellent point. I, I just don't like Acres at the 3-1 to one based on the fumble situation. That's something to consider. Joe Mixon's another guy, though. He could potentially be impactful. I like Elijah Mitchell a lot, but I feel like when the ca- uh, carries matter the most, they're going to go to Debo Samuel. So to me, Samuel at plus 550 is a guy that really intrigues me. And then again, like I said, McKinnon at 10 to 1. All right. And then who will have the most receiving yards? Your guy Cooper Cup's the favorite, plus 225. Chase, Jamar Chase, plus 450. Tyreek Hill, 6 to 1. Travis Kelsey, plus 650. T. Higgins, plus 850. Debo Samuel, who you mentioned for rushing yards, is 10 to 1. Kittle, 12 to 1. Odell Beckham Jr., 14 to 1. Brandon Ayuk, well, this is a short price for him, 20 to 1. Higby, 25 to 1. Boyd, 25 to 1. Azuma, 25 to 1. And down the list. Any value you see here? Uh, you know, you brought up a great point about Brandon Ayuk at 20 to 1. Not enough. I will tell you one thing. Cooper Cups had two monster games against the 49ers this year. In the two games against San Francisco, excuse me, against San Francisco this year, most recent one, seven catches for 118 yards. And in the previous one at San Francisco, 11 for 122. So he's averaging 140 with nine catches. So this is going to be a game. And he just absolutely excels at SoFi on that fast field turf, knows where to cut, does everything extremely well. Stafford always knows where he's going to be. 
Um, Cup is a guy that intrigues me. I like Hill at six to one a lot. Uh, Debo Samuel potentially, but he's going to have to make three, four plays down the field. I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, I think the chalk here with the three guys at the top, uh, Cooper Cup, Chase, and uh, Tyreek Hill. We talk about regrets from last weekend in the divisional round and what a divisional round it was. Uh, McDermott says he will think about those 13 seconds for the rest of his life. But if you're Todd Bowles, don't you carry the fa- with you the fact that you let Cup get 60 yards in 40 seconds with no timeouts left to beat you? Yeah, I, I thought somebody had slipped on the play, though. I mean, so... Yeah, absolutely. That's one. One thing they had was they didn't communicate the zero blitz to the secondary. (laughs) That's kind of important. What we had here was a failure to communicate. Up next, (laughs) college basketball. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, like spearmint, wintergreen, or a mall's personal favorite, citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Tons of college basketball on the agenda tonight. Let's try to cover as many games as we can. And uh, some of them we don't get to, I think, uh, might end up in the playbooks later. So let's start off in the Big 12, 5 o'clock Pacific time from Gallagher-Iber Arena. Iowa State still ranked 25th, although they're tied for last in the conference, 14-5 and overall and 2-5 and in conference play. Take on Oklahoma State, who's 10-8, and 3-4 and in conference play. 
Iowa State's lost four or five of them all, including getting beat by 15 at home by TCU over the weekend. Oklahoma State, in their last three games, combined points between them and their opponents has averaged 112. Oklahoma State laying four here, Amal, with a total of 126.5. Yeah, this total is uh, right about where it should be. Oklahoma State doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. Iowa State is is just terrific on the defensive end. I don't think people realize how good they are defensively because we see Texas Tech, Texas, and, of course, Baylor in that league. This is going to be a tough game either way. Couldn't touch this one. Check the status of Bryce Williams in this game for Oklahoma State. Remember, the leading score did not play against Texas. They're going to need him if they need it. Going to be successful in this game. But I got to tell you, this Iowa State really ha- team has really impressed me. Um, Isaiah Brockington's been outstanding, averaging all above 16 points a game for this team. I don't know if they get a road win, though. Total total ticked up to 128 here, up a point and a half from the overnight. I'm considering under here. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I would be looking at the under as well here. The thing is, Iowa State is so good defensively, and I mentioned it a minute ago, that when you look in the league, they're not the team you consider. And I think part of this thing is the fact that last year, Prohm's team was so mm. bad. Mm. Otzelberger's done a tremendous job of getting things turned around, and that's the quickest way to really win. If you don't go get recruit scores, get guys that are willing to defend. All right, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Um, coming to you on ESPN2 from Pat Summit Court at Thompson Bowling Arena. Florida at number 18, Tennessee. We saw Florida lose just on Monday, so only a, a one-day break here for them. Lost uh, at Mississippi. Uh, at, uh, Mississippi. Uh, got routed on Monday. Tennessee here beat LSU in that revenge spot. I remember you had a big play on LSU when they played in Baton Rouge. Tennessee uh, covers over the weekend, beating LSU 64-50. to Tennessee here, lane nine and a half at home with a total of 131 them all. Yeah, I think part of the reason why you're seeing such a high number here is I think this would have been about six and a half or seven had Keontae Johnson and Colin Castleton both been in the lineup. Without Castleton inside, I think Fulkerson could be very effective for Tennessee in the post. I like Tennessee. I'm not going to lay nine and a half here. I think they win the game. Uh, I do think Florida's going to get a much better defense, uh, a defensive effort. Mike, I would, you know, I said I like Tennessee, meaning they're going to win the basketball game. But if I were to play this game, I would have to take the dog here plus the nine and a half. I think it's a few too many points in a rivalry game. Uh, I think the Gators will play far better than they did, as you alluded to, uh, at the Pavilion in Oxford the other night. They absolutely got mm-hmm. blown out in that second half. 3.30 Pacific time on CBS Sports from the Senta Center in Cincinnati. 17th-ranked Providence takes on 21st-ranked Xavier. Providence sits atop the Big East at 6-1, and 16-2 and overall, them all. Xavier comes in 14-4 and 4-3 and and in league play. Providence has won three in a row, although all at home. Xavier lost to Marquette Sunday, 75-64. to 64. The Musketeers... Laying eight with a total of 138. Is X going to give it to him? I don't think so. I, I mean, to me, I don't understand these Xavier lines every time. There's I'm so- going to tell you right now, I'm on Providence, yeah. and I made this line three. I don't know if it should be three, but I, I tend to agree with you. It should be about four and a half or five. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Remember the game against Creighton? It was eight and a half or nine. It never even mm-hmm. really came close to it. Creighton was actually leading the majority of that game. This Providence team is tough. They do the little things. And give... Uh, the Friars a ton of credit in terms of how they've played. They're not consistent with with Reeves in terms of scoring at times, but they will defend, they'll play. They'll, they're just one of those teams. They're not great at any one thing, but they do a lot of good things extremely well. You know, Scruggs, there's a reason why he's a fifth-year guy there. He just never – Jack Nungy's probably been their best player this year, the transfer from Iowa. I, I don't get it with this number here. Yeah, I, I can't see him losing by double digits. 
5.30 Pacific time, Fox Sports 1 from the Prudential Center in Newark. Let's stay in the Big East. Newly ranked Marquette, ranked 22nd at Seton Hall. Marquette 14-6, and 6-3 six, six and three in league play. Them all, they've won six in a row heading into this matchup against Seton Hall. 12-6, and 3-5 and five in league play. Seton Hall won in Marquette on January 15th, 73-72. Seton Hall was minus one and a half in that game, but have lost three out of four um, coming into it. Seton Hall here, up from four on the overnight to six and a half a mall with a total of 146. Yeah, this is going to be interesting uh, in terms of this number move. I'm a little bit surprised mm. it's gone this high. Uh, Marquette is one of those teams you can't necessarily quantify and say, how are they winning this or how are they winning that, but they continuously do it. And we see them sitting here right now uh, catching six and a half, a little bit of a big number. I'll tell you one thing. Willard's teams generally play well defensively. They got absolutely crushed at home by St. John's the other night. I expect to see a far better defensive effort in this one. If you're Marquette, expect to face some difficult shot selections and situations. And remember, these two teams met just recently in Milwaukee. It was uh, Marquette winning a tight game. By one. Yeah, and it was on a late foul call, if I recall. And they hit the free throws, and they ended up winning the game. You know what it was? Because Marquette makes a free throw. I think there's about less than two seconds remaining. And I don't understand these coaches. When there's two seconds remaining or less, why aren't you instructing your guy up by one to miss the second free throw and let them mm-hmm. catch the ball and throw it 80 feet? Because the shot's going to be a three-pointer anyway. Yeah, even if they have a timeout, they still have side out under their own basket. Yeah, yeah. well, you're, you're up two, yeah. and the shot they're going to take is a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. All right, a couple good matchups in the 8-10 tonight. Let's start with this one, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time on CBS Sports from the Belk Arena. Uh, VCU at Davidson. Davidson now ranked 25th. VCU comes in 4-2 and two in the 8-10, and 6 overall. Davidson 16-2 and in a perfect 6-0 and in league play. They played January 18th in Richmond. VCU was a 2.5-point favorite. Davidson came away with a 2-point victory, 63-61. to Davidson favored by 3.5 here tonight in the rematch with a total of all of 130. Yeah, I want to tell you, this is an interesting matchup, and the reason is this. I've seen this for a number of years, and we saw it again the other night, even though Davidson won that game. Mike, they only had 44 shot attempts. They go 8 for 16 from the three-point arc. They win the game based on their efficiency from beyond the line, uh, making you know 50% of their shots. But again, 16 turnovers. The one thing that's always affected Bob McKillop's team when they match up against the Rams is the athleticism. That really causes problems. You know, the way you would basically quantify Davidson is they got a bunch of guys that play at the YMCA. They're just solid, fundamental players, but not great athletes. And I think that's what causes them issues. Give them credit for winning that game. I don't know if they shoot at such a high clip again, despite the fact they're at home. Um, Tough game to call either way here. I have a play on this game later. 6 p.m. Pacific time on the SEC Network from the Maravich Center in Baton Rouge. Texas A&M at number 19 LSU. Texas A&M 4-2 in league play, although they've lost their last two um, to Kentucky. And then at Arkansas in overtime Saturday, 15-4 overall. LSU also 15-4, but 3-4 in league play. They have a three-game losing streak coming into this, having lost at home to Arkansas and on the road to Alabama and Tennessee. But the move here in favor of LSU from 8.5 on the overnight to 10.5 with a total of 131. Yeah, this is a big move. I think it's too high of a line. I think this A&M team is far better than they've gotten credit for. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We talked about Xavier's line being too high. It seems like the odds makers kind of stay firm in their positions on certain teams. A&M being one of them from a negative standpoint. Xavier being a team that they always are going to make a favorite. Look, LSU's a great defensive team. We know that. One of the best defensive teams in the SEC. Best field goal percentage defense uh uh, in terms of holding their opponents or limiting them. But, Mike, when you look at this team, AM is very good defensively. The one Achilles heel and it con- continues to prob- uh, be problematic. It won't be on the road. Is their inability to shoot free throws? You're just not going to get a lot of free throw opportunities at the Maravich Center. 
they got to make hay when they have opportunities. They've got to stay keep this team off the glass. I think this is a big number here. Any lean on this total, 130? I want to go under here, but, you know, both teams are capable. They would have to shoot extremely well. I, I just don't necessarily see it happening. ACC Network, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock local time uh, from Cassell Coliseum in Blacksburg. Miami at Virginia Tech. Miami tied with Florida State atop the ACC at 6-2, and two, and there are only two league losses to Florida State. Virginia Tech, 10-9 and nine overall, 2-6 and six in league play. Went 1-2 and two on their recent three-game road trip. Yet, the Hokies are favored by five with a total of 136.5. A little bit of a high number. Remember, Miami's sitting on top of this league mm-hmm. right there. There with the uh, Duke and Florida State. I think this Miami team has been far better than I anticipated. We know Larinaga is a good coach, but when you look at Virginia Tech, Mike, they're not, you know, in the previous season polls, they're predicted to fear, finish near the top of the league. This is just not a good basketball team. Highly inconsistent in terms of scoring. Uh, seems like a tricky number here. I didn't play this one with the Hurricanes, but I'll tell you right now, if I can get an in-game 7.5, 8.5, I will be on the Canes. I have a play on this game as well. Holy cow. I got a lot of plays tonight. Real quick in the A-10, St. Bonnie at George Mason. St. Bonnie 3-1 and one in league play. George Mason 2-1. and one. The lone loss for St. Bonnie in league play at Dayton. George Mason went to Kansas earlier in the year as a 20-point dog and only lost by nine. Bonnie laying three on the road. Any thoughts? Now I'm going to stay away from this one. George Mason's been a... Uh underrated team this year. They've been solid, but Bonnie's the experience on the road always helps. All right, coming up next, our friend Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports on the NFC Championship game. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VEASAN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com, leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com. Are you excited for the 56 hours? In the words of Bart Scott, can't wait. I'm excited for the Josh Applebaum Everything Guide to the Big Game. Jacob Roach's swan song here at VEASAN. All right, it's Wednesday. It's 1130 Pacific time, so that means we welcome in our friend Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, their senior NFL writer and betting analyst uh, as well. Frank, I guess my question is where do I begin uh, with with the Packers' performance on Saturday against the 49ers? You're a fan but, you more know, impor- I mean, we- but more importantly, you're a better. When you assess what went wrong, where do you start? I, I just think it's it, it, with the special. But we can't take Aaron Rodgers off the hook. I, I, look, we get we overreact to these one and dones, right? And all of a sudden, like I was reading somebody saying, like Eli Manning's a better option than Aaron Rodgers. If we're talking, no, stop, stop, stop. But we also have to say Aaron Rodgers came up small, like they score on their first drive. They get three yards after that. And everybody's going to talk about the block punt, and that's true. But at that moment, it's a 10-10 game. Aaron Rodgers has the ball, 441, I believe it was, left. Drive down, get a field goal, win the game. You're in the NFC Championship game, and they went three and out. I mean, you got to be better. If you're if you're one of the greatest of all time, you got to figure out a way to drive your team there, get a field goal. I mean, Mahomes did it. Allen did it. I, we've seen it. Joe Burrow did it, for all that's worth. So I'm not sitting here saying, like, Aaron Rodgers is terrible, and he's a choker, and all this stuff you're going to see on social media overreacting. But he, he deserves a lot of, uh, of blame for what happened because, hey, you're the quarterback, you're the MVP. When your team puts up 
three points in the last nine possessions or whatever they had, that, that is on you. Eli Manning's a better option if we're trying to get a handicap placard. <laughs> Frank, there have been some betting markets open up on where Aaron Rodgers will take his next snap. The Packers still the favorite at minus 225. Broncos plus 250. Steelers plus 350. Dolphins plus 450. Eagles, Browns, Raiders all under 10 to 1. What are your thoughts on where Rodgers will be next year? I mean, where's retirement on that list? Because I might take a shot on that. I mean, I just, yeah, everybody's talking about Brady retiring. And my hot take this week has been, I think there's a better chance Rodgers retires than Brady. Because, look, when we think about Aaron Rodgers in the last year, and I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but we know that he's kind of stepped out of the football realm, talking about things that have nothing to do with football. I think he's enjoyed the attention that comes with that and feeling like, I'm more than just a football player. People will listen to my opinions on things having nothing to do with football. I could carve out a, a type of media career this way or a political career even. So I wonder, I'm not trying to say Aaron Rodgers wasn't focused on football. He clearly was. You need to do to play at that level. But I also wonder if he's like, what am I going to do here? The Packers are $44 million over the salary cap. I don't necessarily want to go to the Denver Broncos and start all over at age 39. Just be the next Joe Rogan or whatever and do that way. So I, I do think, you know, look, if he comes back and plays, I, I still think the Packers are the best option. The Broncos are priced correctly there, but I, I don't, I, I, I kind of in the back of my mind just had this weird feeling that we saw the last of Aaron Rodgers. You know, I would throw this out there. If you are Aaron Rodgers and let's assume the cap is a situation where it just can't, they can't work it out with, because you're going to have to uh, franchise Devonte Adams. What happens if you're willing to take very little money, go to Tennessee have them cut Tannehill, you might end up eating a lot of cap space, but if you're willing to come in at three to four, five, six million, whatever it comes out to on a minimum deal, that team is built to win a Super Bowl outside of the quarterback position. If I'm Russell Wilson or if I'm Aaron Rodgers, Frank, I'm looking at that option. You come in there, you got the 18 wheeler healthy. That offensive line, you got a couple of playmakers on the outside. I mean, it's unfortunate that they give the keys to a guy like Tannehill to drive that Ferrari. He smashed it right into a wall. <laughs> I don't disagree, but I will say. If we're looking at the team, aside from the Packers, who gives them the best shot, I mean, it's the Steelers. I, look, we all saw Ben play the last couple of years. It was not pretty at all. They have everything else, everything else you'd want. They got the receivers. Now they got a running back. They can build on the offensive line this year. The defense is really good. They got my dude, DJ Watt, there. So I, I think if you're just if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're saying, only thing I care about, winning another Super Bowl, then I think the Packers are still the best option. But I think second is the Steelers. But you make a good point with the Titans. I, I, they do have everything. Yeah, they've probably gone as far as they can go with Ryan Tannehill driving that bus. Frank, I'm going to push back a little bit on the Steelers for the following reason. You know both of our producers, uh, Britton Hess, who's currently in Jacob Roach, who was previously the producer, both are huge Steelers fans. And, and Britton said one thing to me, which I agree on. I get the Steelers on defense. The front four is outstanding. Lead the league in sacks the last five years. But are we as sold on Devin Bush and the rest of that back seven outside of Minka Fitzpatrick? Is this team defensively as good as the perception or is it more that they're the Pittsburgh Steelers and because they get home on the quarterback, they're considered maybe better than they truly are? Oh, there's probably something to be said about that, yes. But I just think Ben was such a liability this year fair, fair. that their offense, I don't even think it would be a defensive team. I think it would be an offensive team with a good quarterback. Almost like, you know, the last few years of Ben's prime when it was like they played good enough defense and they put up a ton of points. When you got Deontay Johnson and Claypool and maybe Juju comes back and Najee Harris, and Friermuth, I think, is going to be a top five to seven tight end. All of a sudden, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers wouldn't be relying on that defense anymore. It would be, wow, we can put up 30 points a game because we have Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know. I don't think they have the cap for it. I don't think they have the trade assets for it. 
But if you're just, just saying, hey, if Aaron Rodgers, somehow he's free, free, I could go wherever he wants and just try the ball. I think the Steelers are the best option for that. Frank, if Rodgers did go to the Steelers, would he be getting an upgrade at the head coaching position? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I look, I know you, I know you hated my pick of uh, Matt LaFleur as coach of the year, and it doesn't really look good now, <laughs> but Tom was a Hall of Famer. I, I mean, you kind of look at his resume and you go, wait, and he checks every single box for a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's only starting to get that credit. I think with the people taking note of, oh, he hasn't had a losing season in 15 years. Wow, okay. But he has a Hall of Fame resume. So I don't know if Matt's there quite yet, but he should be coach of the year. Still. We're talking to Frank Schwab, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports betting analyst. All right, let's get to the NFC Championship game, the second game on Sunday from SoFi. Part three, Rams, 49ers. To me, so far in the playoffs, the Rams have looked like the best team overall, Frank. But the 49ers have matched up with them so well over the last three or four years. Line hovering at three and a half, inching towards three. Who you got here? I grabbed the 49ers at three and a half. I mean, everybody, this whole dumb, and it's been dispelled by many smart people and probably everybody listening to your show because they're smart. Uh, this whole dumb, it's hard to beat a three team three times in a row. It's really not. It, it's, it happens more often than not that you sweep a team. If you beat them twice, you should be able to beat them a third time. And we just saw this play out. This is only two and a half weeks ago that these teams played. The Rams went out to a 17-point lead, and the 49ers killed them after that and, and ended up winning in overtime. And I think the, the weird thing to me is this whole, like, well, the 49ers can't win because Jimmy Garoppolo is playing terribly. They've won 9 of 11 with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. People think Steve Young was their quarterback in these games. No, they, they won at Cincinnati. They beat the Rams twice. They won at Dallas. They won at Green Bay. All with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. I'm not saying Jimmy's great, but the team around him is really, really good. They do a lot of things that you love out of a postseason team. Running the ball. Getting after the quarterback. They have played. is going to break one at some point. So I really think that why not the 49ers? I think they're perfectly live here. I don't think the Rams have a great home field advantage. Yeah, they played better the past couple of weeks. But, you know, I mean, did they, I, they also almost gave that game away against Tampa. So, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling the 49ers just match up so well against them, and that's where I'm going to be on. Frank, I agree with you on that point. I think the San Francisco team, minus Jimmy G, is an absolute Super Bowl team and probably the most complete Absolutely. football team of the four remaining right now. I look at them and their ability, Nick Bosa, to get after the quarterback. Look, make no mistake about it. He's far better than his brother, Joey, who's a very good player. But I don't think it's much of a comparison. I think Debo Samuel is the best playmaker in the National Football League. Kittle has been in witness protection for most of this postseason. But he's still a guy that you got to concern yourself with. And that's where I, I, I go back to what you said. If you look at the six of the eight quarters, the 49ers have dominated this. And then if you go back even beyond this season, they've dominated this entire series. Sometimes some teams just match up poorly, and I feel like this is the case. I thought three and a half was too high of a number. I need the Rams to win this game, so I'm going to take San Francisco as a hedge, but if I were playing it straight up, I would take the Niners here. Yeah, the one thing I will say is Trent Williams' injury is huge. We usually don't think that way about linemen, but this guy's probably the best lineman in football. And for what they want to do and how they're going to need guys to slow down Leonard Floyd Von Miller on the outside, not to mention Aaron Donald up the middle. They need Trent Williams in this game. So I'm going to feel a lot worse about having 49ers three and a half if Trent can't answer the bell. But part of my bet was I think Trent's going to be there and be just fine. Frank, we got about 45 seconds. Three weeks ago in Cincinnati, it was a tale of two halves. 28-17 Chiefs in the first half. Then the Bengals slowed the game down and limited them to three rallying to win that game. The line's probably going to be seven. I don't see it coming off of it. Are you taking or laying the seven? I grabbed seven and a half a moment to flash because I knew it would come down. I, there's got to be an emotional letdown. And I know that we, it sounds weird to say about the AC championship game, but 
This kind of reminds me of the 81 Chargers going way back and dating myself. I know it's not the Freezer Bowl, but it, you know, the game of the century, basically, there's got to be some come down off of that. I, I like the Bengals' first half. I like the Bengals getting seven and a half. I think the Bengals, look, even the back door is going to be in play the whole time here. The Bengals are a good football. Joe Burrow's playing great football. They have the weapons. They just beat the Chiefs. I think the Bengals at least cover here. Thanks, Frank. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Absolutely, fellas. Thank you. Great points, my friend. I, and I agree with him on the Cincinnati assessment he had. He's absolutely right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the NFC Championship game more than the AFC. Really? Yeah. Up next, I'm all in in the Palm Reader Playbook. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combo. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana 1 809 with it. Colorado 1 800 522 4700. Michigan 1 800 270 117. Virginia 1 888. 532-3509. We'll call 100-BETS-OFF. Playable in New Jersey as play. Sugar House Void, where prohibited. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. One and two for you yesterday. Nice win with Toledo. Um, TCU was in that game with Texas at the under-16 timeout, but not after that. So let's bounce back today here, Amal. We've got some college basketball plays for the kids. Yeah, maybe hopefully I can find a team that won't blow a lead again. You know, Kentucky last night, 15-point lead in the second half. And winds up in overtime. They pulled the full Rock Chalk Jayhawk. One by eight in overtime. <laughs> it's really yeah. unbelievable. Uh, Mara, you, you know, you called it yesterday. Rutgers had no chance in that game. And you and I were kind of texting about it and said, ah, this is probably not the right side. A couple of, uh, so let's start with the Mounties here. Both, both teams struggling in this one. Mountaineers have lost three in a row. But listen, when you look at the teams that these two teams have faced off against, especially West Virginia, 
Texas Tech, Baylor, and KU. No shame in losing those games against those defensive teams. Now in Morgantown at home, hosting Oklahoma. I like the Mountaineers here, Mike. I think they get it done. Oklahoma's lost four in a row. Now they got to go into Morgantown. It'll be a tough one tonight. I get take the short number here with West Virginia. And then a team that I really like that has gone under the radar because they got off to a rough start is Chris Collins' squad at Northwestern. Boo Booey, one of the top shooters in the Big Ten. I like Northwestern catching eight. Howard's team, you know, he's out there trying to celebrate with uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, they win against Ohio State once a decade, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Somebody can maybe correct me on that. But I can tell you this. He might want to concentrate on this team because unless their goal was before the season, the National Invitational Tournament, they better get things on track here. One game above 500. This Michigan team is in trouble. Big number here. As long as they can cover the big man inside, they should be okay. I like Northwestern. They just play fundamentally well. Remember, you and I talked about this when they went up to East Lansing. I said, this team is dangerous. They end up getting the road win there. And then a game I think you're on as well. Providence, the Friars tonight in, at the Syntax Center in Cincinnati. Look, X is a solid squad, but PC is a tough team to blow out. I like Providence here catching eight. All right, let's turn to the playbook here. I've got a two-unit play. I'm going to take the YMCA kids. Davidson laying three and a half at home like here to VCU. Line. Yeah, I, I, I liked it when it ticked down from four to three and a half here. They won at VCU uh, on the 18th of January when VCU was favored by two and a half. I thought Davidson might be close to five and a half or six here tonight. Bob McKillop's team playing very well. Um, six and oh in league play here. Uh, I think Davidson gets the lead here and pulls away. I'm with you on Providence here. Number is way too high. I thought you said four and a half or five. I think three or three and a half. In this game, they they hang in there. They're feisty. They have the personality of their coach. Yeah. I don't see them losing this game by double digits. I'm going to take Larinaga's team, Miami at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's been very disappointing. Miami's played well on the road. They hung right in there, almost won that game. In fact, we're ahead in the final minute, minute at Florida State and uh, their road loss there. They've played well, though. Top, sitting atop the ACC, I'll take five points here. I would have made this number closer to two. And then Notre Dame against NC State, a game we haven't talked about them all. Uh, NC State has really struggled this year, 3-6 and six in ACC play. And Notre Dame just continues to impress. They went to the Yum Yum Center there in Louisville and knocked them around. Notre Dame at home here. I'll lay the five. You know what's funny? I almost took this Irish game. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it very strongly. I couldn't believe it was this short, uh, especially you going up to, what is it now, Purcell Pavilion? Yeah, uh, the Joyce Center, I call it. Yeah, so do I. I want to say Joyce Center as well. They but still say Joyce Center at Purcell Pavilion. Purcell Pavilion you got to get as much money from everybody as you can, but... To me, NC State is a different team in Raleigh compared to what they are on the road. Yeah. All right, let's continue to hit college basketball, Amal, because there was a handful of games we didn't get to, including a couple of games in the SEC at 4 o'clock Pacific time on ESPNU ESPNU from Colonial Life Arena. Uh, Vanderbilt at South Carolina. Vandy comes in 2-4, 10-8 overall. Uh, South Carolina also 2-4 in league play, 11-7 overall. Vandy hosted South Carolina on January 8th. They were an eight-point favorite. South Carolina won that game 72-70. to South Carolina beat Georgia Saturday convincingly at home 83-66. to South Carolina now a one-point favorite over Vanderbilt in the return match with a total of 136.5. Yeah, South Carolina is one of these teams I just can never back. If anything, you're playing against them. I'm just not a big fan of theirs. Look at this. The first time around, they shoot three for 17 from the three-point arc. I have no idea how they even win that basketball game. We see Vandy go to the free-throw line 36 times compared to South Carolina's 18. But again, it came down to, I'm going to tell you, a play I would take a look at in this game is is the over at 136.5. Both of these teams are going to be able to score 37 turnovers last time. I mean, how do you get 37 turnovers? That is incredible. 
Um, but these two teams can be horrific at times. I think Vandy's a more complete team, but I don't know if they go into Columbia and win on the road. To give South Carolina credit for that win over a very tough Georgia team, Tom Crean's team taking Alabama out in a body bag last night. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Nate Oates' team, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, it's unbelievable. Georgia, you know, the one thing you have to consider, it's because of the football rivalry. It's just kind of a cascading effect that you know falls on everything else in those two uh, in the sports la- landscape at those two schools. But Tom Crean wins his first conference game against a team that won in Seattle against one of the top two or three teams in the country. Incredible. By the way, speaking of which, what I'm really ticked off about watching the Bruins game last night. Two things I missed out on. Not, number one, not taking UCLA on the money line. That was straight gravy. Hi, by the way, Jaime Hawkins, what a performance in the second half last night. He didn't do anything in the first half. Really showed out and hit the key three when they were up seven to push him up ten. But the thing to me, Mike, is you could have gotten 165 and a half on the end game early when it was game was flying. Yeah, I know. They wouldn't have gotten to 165 if they played a third half. I got under 158 and a half. I didn't oh, get the number. number, but it's I never had a good, sweat. Never had nothing. a sweat the game. And it was never going to overtime. No, no. Uh, UCLA with one of the top performances of the year last night, I thought. I, I agree mm-hmm. with you. Um, I will say this. I felt like, you know, the being at home helped immensely. Now, there's going to be a return match, I think, coming up in early February. Can't wait for that one. All right. Stay in the SEC also at 4 o'clock on the SEC Network from the Black Pavilion in Oxford. Ole Miss coming off their victory just 48 hours ago against Florida at home. Takes on an Arkansas team, Amal. Quietly has won four in a row in SEC play. Started off 0-3, now 4-3, 14-5 overall. Um, Arkansas. Lane three and a half here on the road, Amal, with a total of down from 140 and a half on the overnight to 137. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised this number's come down because that's the one thing when you look at Kermis Davis's team, they're going to have to play defense. They're not a particularly good shooting team. They're without Jarkel Joyner for a couple of weeks. That's a big blow. This is a guy that is consistent for them in terms of what he's able to do on the floor. And, of course, Robert Allen out as well. Mike, no way I'm laying three and a half with the Razorbacks on the road. But if this game gets shorter or if there's an in-game opportunity, I think Arkansas can win this basketball game. Ole Miss, to me, without joiners, almost 14 points a game, kind of a catalyst for them. I, I don't like them. It, Arkansas is not the same as what they were last year. Make no mistake about that. But they're still dangerous. And I, I think this is a great coaching matchup between Davis and uh, uh, Musselman. But, boy, would you say 137? One, yeah, down from 140 and a half to 137. I think that's the right move. I thought the 140 is high, for, especially for an Ole Miss game. All right, let's talk about here in the Mountain West, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on FS1 from the D. Glenn Smith Spectrum in Logan, Utah. San Diego State at Utah State. San Diego State 3-1 and in Mountain West play, having lost that game at home to Colorado State in the Vieja Center where they only scored 14 in the second half, but bounced back to destroy uh, UNLV on Monday. 11-4 and overall against Utah State, who's really struggling. They've lost four in a row, 1-5 and in league play, 10-9 and overall. The Aztecs, a short road favorite here of two points with a total of 126 and a half of all. You know, I tend to agree with the move, but I have a hard time backing Utah State. Lines come down, as you said, a point and a half from the two and a half. I mean, losses against at Colorado State, no shame in losing in Moby against that team. By the way, great second half bet last night against Steve Offord's team. We knew he, he wouldn't make an adjustment. They were just playing well, and Colorado State wasn't in the first half. Wyoming gets them by two, as you have alluded to. At Fresno, they lose by seven. Then again, it was Boise State winning late in that game. The one problem I have with backing the Aztecs here is, aside from the fact they're on the road, they don't shoot the ball consistently well. And that could be a problem in the game like this. Utah State's got a great opportunity to get on track here. Probably not going to touch this game. May look at an in-game opportunity, but I don't know. You, do you have a feeling on this one? Yeah, I, I, I'd look at San Diego State, but 
I I would be with you in the fact that I'd look at this game halfway through the first half and see if San Diego State has gotten out to a lead. Because yeah. I think if they get the lead, they'll be there. But I, I just don't know, um, can they shoot as well as they did against UNLV? Um, last night, we talked about this game a little bit. Wyoming did cover that five uh, in that game last night. Um, only losing by three. All right, a couple NBA games. Good game in the West tonight. Suns at Jazz. Suns laying two on the road with a total of 223 and a half a mall. Yeah, to me, I'm not necessarily uh, thrilled about laying points on the road here when you look at the injuries right now. Of course, DeAndre Ayton out, Jay Crowder, JaVale McGee. Um, this is just a Cam, uh, Cameron Payne all out. Rudy Gobert also out. Donovan Mitchell out. <laughs> I mean, my God, who's playing? They're giving away free tickets at the Salt Palace? What's going on here? You don't like the Suns here? Now down to one and a half? Not on the road, even <sighs> though there's no Rudy Gobert, no uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, this team right now, both teams without key catalyst in this one. Nuggets at next. I know no Tyree. Yeah. Nuggets a short road favorite as well here. Too. Well, remember, you, you you only got one of the big three stars there with James Harden in the lineup because Kyrie doesn't play the home games. Um, I, I think it's a tough spot for them. This is the back-to-back after losing by 10 last night against the Lakers. Put a roll with Denver here on the road. Bucks laying four at the Cavs. I like the Cavs catching four at home. Tough team. Stay tuned to Visa and up next, betting across America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.